0: We trust that that's your desire today to come and adore Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and, of course, King of all kings. We had the opportunity today to hear the testimony of people who have uh, followed the Lord in obedience in baptism, and baptism becomes a beautiful picture of all that Christ has done for us. So many times we don't understand the beauty nor the blessings of baptism. But today I would like to draw your attention to that so that we can set the tone for our time of baptism in between both services this morning. Hearing from the people who want to testify, confess Christ before before men, knowing that they have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, for years I've had the opportunity to, to baptize people in the Jordan River uh, in the land of Israel. That's always a very special time Uh, Very cold time because it's uh, water that has come down from Mount Hermon, melted snow that comes down to the Sea of Galilee and makes its way down the Jordan Valley, and is very, very cold. And so once you get in, your feet are immediately numb, and so you have to go in basically to your waist and and up, and so you are numb for a day or two afterwards. But that's okay. You know, uh, it's it's a it's a great blessing. Uh, And and every year we have baptized up by the Sea of Galilee. And uh, we always tell people, this is not the place that Jesus was baptized. But there was one year where we took everybody down to the Judean wilderness. One year we took them down to the vicinity where John the Baptist would have been when he baptized scores of people as the Bible says, that came from Jerusalem, that came from Jordan, and from the surrounding area to be baptized. And when we went down there, we tried to reiterate to everybody what was happening in Matthew chapter 3 so they could come to grips with what John would see as he was in the Jordan River watching people come to him to be baptized it was quite astounding because as we sat there, we realized that, that those who were coming back in the days of John the Baptist were coming and doing something extremely radical. Because Jews were coming to do what only Gentiles did when they wanted to convert to Judaism, Gentile proselytes. And so when these Jews came from Jerusalem and we know the route they probably would take to get to the Judean wilderness, we realize that when they came, they were making a public statement. And that statement was, I know that my national and my racial descent does not save me. I know, I know. The very fact that I am a Jew, one of the chosen people of God, does not save me. That's a pretty powerful statement. And they would come down and they heard the message of John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he preached that message for six months before the Lord Jesus Christ arrived to be baptized. And so they heard this message. They heard about this man called John the Baptizer because that's what he did. He was baptizing people. He was the son of Zacharias, the son of Elizabeth. And so they knew that he was the forerunner of the Messiah. He was raised understanding he was the forerunner of the Messiah. And when he was in the Judean wilderness, after he had grown older in life, he came out preaching the gospel of repentance. And so when these people came down, these Jews came, they made a huge, huge statement. In other words, they would enter the kingdom the same way a Gentile would enter the kingdom. There were the words of Simeon 40 days after the birth of Christ. When Simeon, there in the temple, would take the Christ child in his arms and say that this child is the light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. So they understood that Messiah was coming because John the Baptist preached the message, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That would mean the king was coming, right? If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the king is coming. And so they lived in anticipation of the arrival of the king. He would be here at any moment, at any time. And so when they made that public statement, it was powerful. Unfortunately, many of those people who came down to be baptized proved truly to be hypocritical. Their baptism didn't save them. They would make a profession because they would anticipate the king coming and doing what they thought the king would do. But when the king did not do what they thought he should do, they rebelled against him, they they turned against him. And one day, as many were being baptized, there was one Jew who came, and that was Jesus. But remember, when Jesus came to be baptized, nobody knew who he was. He had lived in utter obscurity for 30 years. We know that his half-brothers and sisters did not believe in him until after he was raised from the dead. So we know that the words that Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 3 are only the second recorded words of our Lord in Scripture. The first recorded words were when he was at the age of 12. When he had been left behind in Jerusalem, and his parents found him after three days, and he told his mother, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? He was in the temple talking with the religious establishment, conversing with them at age 12, and they were awestruck by what this young Jewish person knew. But he told his mother, He had to be about his father's business. It would be 18 years later that the second recorded words of our Lord are given to us in Matthew chapter three. It's not that Jesus was silent for for 12 years or for 13 years or for 18 years. No, he spoke. We just don't have any record of what he said. But when he speaks in Matthew chapter three, it sets the tone for everything that's going to follow. And the very first scene we have that inaugurates the ministry of Christ is his baptism. So if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along with me in Matthew chapter 3, you can. I'll just read the uh, incident for you and let you understand it as we speak about it together. It says in verse number 13 of Matthew 3, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John, to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answering, said to him, permitted at this time, For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. These are the second recorded words of our Lord in the Gospels. And then it says, Then he permitted him, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove enlightening on him or remaining on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If those things did not happen, if the spirit of God did not descend upon him and the father speak from heaven, no one would have known that Jesus was anybody else other than your average Jew. But he's the son of God. So this inaugurates his ministry. This is where his ministry began to take off. And so let me help you understand the beauty and blessings of baptism by helping you understand, first of all, why we are baptized. And then number two, what is the meaning of baptism? Why we are baptized talks to us about the blessing and what it means to be baptized talks to us about the beauty of baptism. And both are extremely crucial, essential in the life of the believer. Let me explain it to you. Number one, Why are we baptized? Number one, it was because it was modeled by the Christ. It was modeled by the Christ. He himself was was baptized. And you need to think about this because this is a remarkable time in history. History. We tend to pass over the baptism of Jesus and, and want to spend more time thinking that the Spirit of God is a dove, but it's not a dove. It just descends like a dove, but we anticipate that, the, that the, somehow the, the Spirit of God is a dove and we want to spend all the time talking about the dove, but missing the importance of what the baptism really signifies and what's going on here. Here is Jesus doing something so unique. For, for instance, here is the sinless, spotless son of God who knows no sin, identifying with sinful men who know no righteousness. And so when he comes, John says, you know, I I should be baptizing you. And Jesus says, no, John, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He says, and I quote, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us, not me, but us, you and me, John, to fulfill all righteousness. In order for Christ to fulfill all righteousness, he has to be perfectly obedient to all that the Father has given him to do. And so he is going to do that from the very beginning. So everybody knows who he is. He's going to, listen, approve the ministry of John. This is important. They need to know that he is the messenger that's coming before him. They need to know that this is the forerunner that Isaiah speaks of in Isaiah chapter 40 when it says these words in verse number three. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and a hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. That is the person who would come and speak before the Messiah arrives. That somehow the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed. God's glory, God's beauty, God's person is going to be seen. And Israel knows that when the glory of the Lord is revealed, the Messiah is there. Now it's very important to realize it is an emphasis on both the arrivals of the Messiah. We know the glory of the Lord will be revealed when he comes again in all of his glory and splendor for the world to see him. But we forget that the glory of the Lord was revealed when in the incarnation he became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John was that forerunner to the Messiah that the glory of the Lord would be revealed. In other words, This was the revelation of the Son of God. Been 30 years in obscurity. Nobody knows who Jesus really is. Mary and Joseph do, Simeon does, Anna does. We know that from the Christmas story. The shepherds know, but they haven't seen him for 30 years, right? So they don't know what he even looks like today. But here is the Son of Man, the Son of God coming that the glory of the Lord would be revealed. And Jesus is going to approve of John's glorious ministry. At the same time, he is going to announce his ministry. He's going to approve John's ministry, but he's going to announce his ministry. We know this, that that. What's going to happen when Jesus arrives is that the Spirit of God is going to descend upon him. We know that from Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah chapter 42, verse number one, which says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. How will the nation know that the Spirit of God is upon the Messiah? Have over in Isaiah 61, verse number one, the text that our Lord read in the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke 4, when it was the public reading of the day, he stood up and he read Isaiah 61, which says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the Messiah speaking. The prophet Isaiah is telling us. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good, night, good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he stopped because it wasn't a time for the day of vengeance. That's Nick's phrase. There was going to be a day of vengeance, but at at this time, it was just to proclaim the year of Jubilee, the the favorable year of our Lord, the, the time in which the Lord would show favor upon his people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How would they know that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him? Except for the fact that the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him, upon his baptism. Very important. That's why when Christ models to us baptism, it's more than just him going to the water and coming back up out of the water. It inaugurates his ministry. It identifies him as the Messiah of Israel. So important. He's here to fulfill all righteousness. And John, we're in this together, you and I. We are in this together. I'm I'm gonna prove to everybody who you are. I'm going to identify you as the forerunner of the Messiah. I'm going to make sure people have no, no question about who you are. And then I want people to understand that today, today we we begin fulfilling all righteousness. We begin helping people understand that the righteous king is here. The one who knew no sin would become sin for them that they might understand the righteousness of the living God, that I might be upon them. So he came to model that. What a fantastic testimony. But not only did uh, uh, the reason behind why we were baptized, is not simply because Christ modeled it, but because Christ mandated it. Christ gave us a mandate. Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, it's very interesting, the order in which it's given. As you go, make disciples. And as you make disciples, baptize those disciples. Then teach those disciples. Have you ever thought that maybe the reason in our teaching? it doesn't get through to people is because they have yet to be baptized. Listen, if Christ mandates something and you live in disobedience to it, how open, how receptive are you to hear anything else Jesus says? You're not. You are disobedient to the very first command. As you make disciples, you are to baptize those people. Those people need to be baptized. And you need to teach them to observe all that I've commanded them. Well, they can't observe all that they've been commanded if they haven't been baptized. Over in Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, Peter would say these words on the day of Pentecost. He would say, repent and be baptized based on the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says over in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 3, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. How do I know that you have come to know Christ if you obey his words? But if you haven't been baptized, do I really know <laughs> that you've come to know Christ when you willingly live in disobedience to the command given by the living God? So the question comes, why aren't people baptized? Well, some of them don't, are not baptized because of their ignorance. They don't know. They never heard that before. And they need, to be, they need to understand the truth. Others, because of their arrogance. They're too prideful. They've been saved for a long time and they got to admit they hadn't been baptized and their arrogance gets in the way and they don't want to get wet. They don't want to get their hair wet in front of people and they don't want to do that kind of stuff. See? And their arrogance gets in the way. Others, they're just indifferent. Their indifference stops them. They're indifferent to the things Of the word of the Lord. Well, you know, I wasn't really baptized, and, you know, baptism doesn't get me into heaven anyway, so is it really that big a deal? Others, because of outright defiance, they know that they're living in sin, and to make a public confession that I want to follow Christ and obey Him, die to self, they don't want to say that out loud because they know that in their heart they harbor sin. Others are not baptized simply because they've never been born again. They're not even saved. And so Christ mandates something. Interesting. He models something. He mandates something. He never asks you to do what he himself has not yet done. He leads the way. The very first thing, the very first scene, the very first narrative of the Lord Jesus Christ is his baptism, which sets the tone for the rest of his ministry because He knew that what he showed was what was going to happen in his life. He would live, he would die, he'd be buried, he'd come up out of the water and rise again. Very symbolic of all that he came to do. So, the reason we're baptized, the blessing of baptism is seen in the fact that it's modeled by the Lord It's mandated by the Lord, okay? And it's manifested in the early church. It's manifested in the early church. Remember Acts chapter three, when the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost and Peter was preaching and 3,000 souls were saved. It says that 3,000 souls were baptized on that day. Could you imagine in Jerusalem baptizing 3,000 Jews who don't only do going into the water, come back up out of the water, is only done by Gentiles. What kind of testimony that would be to the Jewish nation? Listen, if I'm a Jew and I get saved and now I'm going to be baptized, that speaks volumes to my Jewish family. It's no wonder they were isolated. It's no wonder they were kicked out of their family. It's no wonder. They lost their friends because they said, we're willing to do what Gentiles do because we know that repentance and confession of sin and embracing Christ as our Messiah saves us. We want to identify with him. And so 3,000 Jews were saved. Read a little further in Acts chapter chapter 8. You have the Ethiopian eunuch. Who's reading Isaiah 53? And Philip comes upon him because Philip was an evangelist, and he asks him, What are you reading? He says, You know, I, I don't know. Is this is this somebody? Is this who is this that the prophet Isaiah is speaking of? And it says he introduces him to Jesus. And he immediately is baptized. You go further to Acts 10. You have the, the gospel going to the Gentile world. The whole thing about Cornelius while he's, while he's there in Caesarea. And uh, he has this vision and he wants to know what it's all about. And, and so he sends his, his men to go get Peter who's in, who's in Jaffa. And they bring Peter down because Peter had a vision at the same time. And Peter came down and Cornelius got his family together, got his friends together. And Peter preaches the gospel to him and they embrace the gospel. These Gentiles embrace the gospel because now the the gospel is going to spread throughout the Gentile world. And Peter baptizes them. Moving a little further in Acts 16, you have Lydia and her household. They're baptized. Read a little further in Acts chapter 18, you have those in the church of Corinth being baptized. So that which was modeled by by the Christ, mandated by the Christ, is manifested in the church of Christ. Because when you're saved, the first act of obedience is baptism. And that's modeled in the church. That's the the blessing of baptism. What's the beauty of it? The beauty of it, seeing it, in, in what it means to be baptized. This is very important. First of all, it's used as an illustration. It illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. It illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. The word baptizo is a word that means to immerse. That's why we don't sprinkle people. That's why we don't dab water on their foreheads. We actually immerse them in the water because it identifies them with the, excuse me, it illustrates the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, that's the gospel, right? Colossians 2, verse number 12, that's the gospel. And so when they go down into the water, come back up out of the water, they are illustrating something very profound. They're illustrating what Christ did for them. And now it identifies. That's number two. There's an illustration. There's an identification. I am now identifying with the Christ I say I want to follow. Have you ever asked yourself why the Spirit of God would descend upon the Lord like a dove? That's a great question. Why a dove? Well, if I was a rich person and I was able to come and offer a sacrifice, I would bring a bullock. If I was a middle class person, I would bring a lamb. But if I was a poor person, I would bring a dove. And the dove was a symbol of total sacrifice. And so the Spirit of God would descend upon the Lord who was willing to sacrifice his life for yours and for mine. Think about that. He's willing to sacrifice. So every Jew who could understand that and see the Spirit of God descended upon him, John the Baptist included, they would understand sacrifice. A willingness to give away their life. It was sacrificial when he came and walked among men. He left the glories of heaven to come down and identify with man. He, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, now might become rich. And in his poverty, he was willing to give his life away and to sacrifice his life. So, this illustration now becomes an Identification. I'm going to identify with my Lord, with my Savior, because I'm willing to sacrifice my life because He sacrificed His life for me. I'm willing to give my life away. I don't want to hold on to my life. Isn't that what the gospel is? If any man come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's a life of cross bearing, it's a life of sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I have died to self. Christianity is about dying to me and living for the Lord God of Israel. And so when I am now baptized, I am not just illustrating what Christ did for me. I am identifying with my Lord in such a way that I am willing to give my life away. I am willing to sacrifice for my Lord. Whatever he asks, I'm willing to do. That's why baptism is so important. It's a public confession. What did Christ say? If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father is in heaven. But if you do not confess me before men, neither will I confess you before my Father who is in heaven. There's something about Christianity that mandates a confession of the Christ. I will say the same thing about the Christ that the Bible says about the Christ. I will live for the Christ. I will honor the Christ. And so when a person is being baptized, he says, I want to illustrate by my life that I am willing to live and die for the one who lived and died for me and rose again. Knowing that in the promise of the resurrection, I will rise again. One day, and there will be a great joy in heaven because of what Christ did for me. So, there is an illustration, there is an identification, and this is the beauty of it. There is an initiation, and this is where people miss the importance of baptism. There is an initiation to what? to trials and temptations as never before. You see, I don't think that the spirit of God made a mistake when he put the narrative in scripture for us to read. I don't think the spirit of God made any mistake in terms of the order of events in scripture. They're very important. And the very next event in the life of our Lord is what? The temptation in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why would the Spirit do that? But he was, because that whole temptation would set the tone for you and me and how we deal with temptation. You see, baptism initiates All kinds of trials and temptation as never before. And maybe this is a reason people don't want to be baptized. Because they want to have to go through difficulties. But let me tell you something. You're going to go through difficulties anyway. And and you got to realize that these things are going to happen. Notice he was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit. The Spirit of God descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord lived his life under the power of the Spirit of God. Maybe you didn't catch this last week. Hopefully you did. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14, says this. It says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God? How did Christ offer himself up? Through the power of the eternal spirit of God. When the spirit of God descended upon the Lord, okay, okay, the spirit of God would be the instrument that moved him from place to place. That led him from place to place. He was baptized. The spirit of God descended upon him. The spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. The spirit of God moved him from place to place. The spirit of God drove him to the cross. The spirit of God was with him on the cross. The spirit of God moved him. And so when we go through trials and temptations and we know the Spirit of God is with us and we rely upon the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit, We, we depend upon the Spirit of God, that's what we do. But don't think for one moment that baptism is going down, coming back up and off to the races we go and no more problems. Oh no. It initiates all kinds of difficulties. When Jesus came to be baptized, there was no fanfare. There were no... Horns, whistles, and lights, and people saying, here comes Jesus, the Messiah. He's gonna be baptized. He's fulfilling prophecy in the Old Testament. This is a great day. And they had food there for everybody to eat, a big celebration. No, no fanfare, none. Because nobody knew the identity of the Messiah until Matthew chapter three. And yet, what took place there? The Spirit of God descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the voice out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's my Son. I am well pleased because He has come to do what was predetermined in eternity past. And what's gonna live that out. Think about all those Jews in the book of Acts and the temptation and trials that they would go through just because they believed in the Messiah and were willing to be baptized in obedience to him. All the persecution the apostles went through. You see, we can't forget that about baptism. Yes, it illustrates the fact that Christ came, died, was buried and rose again the third day. Yes, that identifies me as a follower of the Christ. I want to be obedient to him and that I'm willing to sacrifice my life on his behalf. I'm willing to give my life away, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. I want God's aspirations for me. I want God's will for me. I want what God has for me. Knowing that all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. and It initiates temptation and trials as never before. My prayer for you today is that if you're here and never follow the Lord in obedience to baptism, Uh, You can jump in the water today with us if you choose to. You can do that. But you need to be baptized. This is mandated by the Christ. This is not an option. Jesus didn't say, you know what? When you go into all the world and make disciples, if they want to be baptized, they want to get wet, get them wet. If they don't want to get wet, it's okay. Just teach them to observe almost everything I've commanded you. Because you can't teach them to observe the mandate of uh, baptism because that falls under the word all things. See, and so my prayer is that you'd follow the Lord in obedience. We've had people here who have been saved for years and never, never been baptized. Elderly gentlemen, elderly women, and have known that they need to be baptized. We've had people who who are here who who went on mission trips and got saved. And they served in our church but didn't know what it meant to repent. Went on mission trip, repented of their sins, came back home, and were baptized here in our baptismal. We've had young children be baptized who want to follow the Lord in obedience. Unfortunately, we've had people who have come and made professions of faith, but upon the trials and temptations that came their way proved them not to be saved instead of proving them to be saved. And that's unfortunate, that's sad. But we pray for those who are being baptized today. We want you to pray for them because as a body, we should do that. And this is our opportunity to hear their testimony and to celebrate with them, Christ saved them. They want to obey him. They want to follow him. I want to pray for those people that God would use them in a mighty, glorious way. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for today. It is a great day. It's a great day, Lord, because we're in the house of the Lord. We're a chance to worship you and gather with the people of God. What better place to be than to be here, hearing the word of the Lord and being able to be challenged by your word and to realize what you did when you inaugurated your ministry there in the Jordan River, in the Judean wilderness. Our prayer, Father, is for the people being baptized today. You do a mighty work in their lives. Cause them, Lord, to realize this importance. And pray, Lord, that there be anyone here today who does not know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. There's one here who has not been baptized in obedience to God, that today would be the day they made that decision, they want to obey the Lord and be baptized.